by Jeff Yoakum, president of Marquee Search. I'm thrilled to share the screen today with a good friend and someone that I admire very much in the industry, Alan Ledford. Welcome, Alan. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jeff. Great to, great to be joining you virtually, at least. Seems to be our world these days, right? It is. It is. We're, we're trying to get as comfortable with technology as we can. Um, so I, we've always viewed you as a leader in the industry who was very thoughtful, strategic, uh, you know, cared about the, the, your staff. Um, and so that your unflappable character really made you someone that you'd want to kind of follow into a pandemic. So with that, I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk to you about uh, your style and some of the things that you know, you're, you've learned and, and some of the things that you can share with us. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna, you humor me, I'm gonna maybe embarrass you for a second and share my screen and bring up your, uh, your background here uh, and just go through that for a couple of moments and then tap on that as much as you know, you'd like to. Uh, so apparently while you were at Cal Berkeley, you started working with the Oakland A's and had a nice 15 year or so run with the A's. And these are not the A's of the 2000s. These are the you know, golden age of, of that franchise with multiple World Series appearances, some of the best marketing and creative minds uh, in the sports industry really today, and, and some kind of legendary people in the Bay Area. So that role uh, culminated in a, a position as VP of Business Operations. A after that, you helped start a Bay Area sports and entertainment consulting firm post days that represented a private ownership group in their effort to bring AAA baseball to Sacramento. And that was really the period that I got to know you. You launched the Sacramento River Cats as president, general manager, and COO of the team, as well as uh, a shiny new ballpark back in 2002. And during about a nine-year reign with the club, the River Cats led all of minor league baseball in attendance and revenue generation each of those years, which is a fairly staggering thing to say right now. But um, you know, kudos to you, the staff and the people that you you developed in that, uh, in that operation. You were the 2006 Baseball America Minor League Baseball Executive of the Year. I don't know how you didn't get it more than one year with uh, that run with the, uh, with the River Cats. And next, as a consultant, you helped with the acquisition and turnaround of the Portland Beavers AAA franchise up here where I am and their sister team at the time, the, the USL Portland Timbers. Um, during that period, after that, you founded Perfect Game Ventures LLC and 2011 as a sports management consulting firm. In 2013, you're hired to bring AAA baseball to El Paso and to build another shiny new ballpark in downtown El Paso, which was such an easy thing to do. <laughs> you sold out nearly 75% of the home games in that inaugural season in 2014. Southwest University Park was named the 2014 ballpark of the year. So some pretty cool things that you've been able to accomplish uh, with with the career that you had today. Wow, that that makes me feel old hearing all of that. Yeah, I, I, well, maybe I could be your your PR, your hype hype man going forward. There you go. Um, so you know, if we if we go forward into into today, um, I did, so I just saw your team. Some social media posts said that the first pitch was six years ago this week, right? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Two days, April twenty eighth. Uh, 2014, uh, we broke 
we didn't, we actually, we didn't break ground. The, the building that was on this site, and I'll move out of the way, you can see Southwest University Park. Uh, shockingly, I have it behind me in the virtual background. But uh, this was the site of City Hall. Uh, it was imploded on April 15, 2013, and we opened up almost exactly a year later on April 28, 2014. And I don't recommend it for anyone's sanity, um, but you know, sometimes when you're naive and you just, you have a great team of people around um, you and us like we did, the city, and most especially for us ownership and our staff, uh, we were able to get it done and it's been a, uh, a spectacular success and embraced in an amazing way by that community. And, and so also you've since then launched the USL franchise, the El Paso Locomotive. Um, so you've had a chance to kind of tenderize the market for, for a new team, but bring a really large market, um, multiple options for sports and entertainment and really invigorated that market as a, as a really a good sports town. Yeah, you know, one thing that's important to understand, and, and frankly, it, it, it's one of the things that's been uh, absolutely special about my involvement with the, the Chihuahuas Mountain Star Sports Group, which is our sort of parent company, and uh, and then the locomotive, and we also have a role to play in an ownership stake in a, a Liga MX team in Juarez, uh, Mexico. Uh, it, but underlying all that is this premise from ownership and, and the reason that they're involved, which is to improve the quality of life and promote economic development in the region. And it, it was literally the first question I asked the, the ownership, the Hunts and the Fosters, you know, why, why do you want to get involved in this AAA baseball thing and build a ballpark? And it, it's obviously not easy. You have bigger businesses to run. And, and that was the answer. And, and that, that has absolutely been our marching orders and and our ultimate objective as an organization and that's a whole other discussion how it has impacted the community in those ways quality of life and economic development but these professional sports teams in this venue but behind me have done exactly that in remarkable ways and it's been direct and indirect direct from an economic standpoint uh, in terms of helping those who are attracting new businesses, who are attracting higher paid jobs, attracting new industries to the community, giving them an incredible tool to work with. And in a, in a more subjective manner, it's had major impact. And from a subjective point of view, it's because it's changed in a lot of ways the psyche of the community. It's like, wow, we can, we can do this. We can have something this spectacular. Look, look, at, what, look at our downtown now. And uh, it's been great to play a small role in, in that, and uh, frankly, we couldn't do it without the tools and the resources that ownership give us, but it's, it's really been a lot of fun to, to help uh, along the way in, in making that happen. So, I mean, I kind of earlier described almost this bifurcation from this long career in major league sports and now to minor league sports. For someone who's worked in both, you know, for, for you, did you choose minor league sports? How did, how did you end up in, in this role versus, I mean, you certainly have the capabilities to be a major league executive as a head owner. I know that you know, intimately. How did this happen? Yeah, great, great question. And for, first of all, I'd like to tell you, I had some great design and this was a roadmap laid out and that would be absolutely false. I, I, have, I have been very fortunate in a lot of ways. I've been very fortunate in the people that I worked 
for and with, and I've really only been part of three ownership groups, the Haas family in Oakland, the uh, Art Savage with the, uh, the, and the Savage family with the River Cats, and then the Hunts and the Fosters in El Paso, and, and then the, the, the short stint with the, well, the six years or so that we had the, uh, the consulting group. But underlying all of that for me was a decision, uh, and is a decision that my wife and I made relative to our family um, long ago, and that is despite this addiction, as I like to call it, to sports and entertainment, uh, we're not going to, we don't plan to move. I mean, ultimately, you do what you have to do, but we've been, again, very fortunate uh, to have the, op for, for me to have the opportunities that I've had uh, and to stay in the Bay Area where our families are, where uh, we raised our kids, um, and now even a couple of very young grandkids uh, are, are here. Um, so once you have school and community and family and uh, youth sports at, at one time, and house and neighbors and the whole, the, the, the culture that develops around you, um, we, we opted to put a, a very high value on all of that. And, 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 and probably, frankly, there's a downside career-wise, but I, I have nothing at all to complain about. I've been very, uh, very fortunate. So as it relates to major to minor league, um, again, after ownership change at the A's and, and working uh, to develop this consulting group in the Bay Area, that led to an introduction to Art Savage, and uh, Art was looking to, to build a stadium and, and bring it a triple-A team at the time from uh, from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and move that which he purchased and moved it to Sacramento in a new facility. A very challenging project for lots of reasons. Uh, we ultimately did all were hired to do all of the startup, and I had, despite being around working in Major League Baseball for 15 years, I had no clue what minor league baseball was about. I think I'd been to two games, maybe Stockton and one in Stockton, one in Modesto. And I just, I, I didn't work, um, I, I just had no contact. And I learned through the startup uh, process of the Rivercats, because essentially we were the, the Rivercats initially, and we we hired, uh, helped to hire senior staff and did all the business planning and everything that, that related to uh, to a startup and were involved at some level with the, the stadium of art, did a lot of that um, himself. but. Uh, it, it was very much a team effort as these things uh, always are. Uh, I, I came to, to learn a couple things. One is that minor league baseball combines uh, several things that I'm passionate about and that I love. One is sports, uh, baseball in, in particular, and I was very familiar with. And, but it also had this element on the business side where you can control a lot more of it just because of the, the business model. And that was... Uh, the combination of those things was compelling. You kind of have the drug of, of sports, putting on a show and the excitement. And I, I like leading a team. I, I enjoy being the person in charge and, and providing the vision and the support uh, for a team and, and bringing everybody together and working jointly to a, a common goal. Uh, and, but th there was a business side of it that, that we impacted. I mean, if, if we did things well, then we're going to do well. If, if not, then we're not. And at the major league level, in, in whichever sport, the, the obvious significant variable is uh, player salaries and then and also national media dollars that that uh, are not often 
directly uh, in the control of, of an individual team. So that those attributes combined with the the proximity of Sacramento for me, I live in the Bay Area, so you know for for many years, close to ten years, I was driving about 150 miles a day. Um, fortunately, uh, not a whole lot of traffic going the directions I was going, and uh, with technology, I could and cell phones, I could get a lot of work done uh, to and from. But uh, it worked out, and you know, as I tell people, we all make choices when they in terms of where we live. Sacramento is a great community. El Paso is a great community, but you know, we, we've chosen to uh, to be here in, in the Bay Area. So th that's how my, I transitioned from major to minor league and, and where the appeal is for me on, on the minor league side. And I would add one thing that uh, a former colleague and, and good friend of mine mentioned. This And this individual went from a career that was mostly a minor league baseball to a major league team. And what he learned in going to a major league team is that, you know what, I, I miss being involved in all those other things. I'm in my silo here. They just want me to focus on my particular function. Whereas in a, in a smaller organization, I can provide input. We, we work more closely together in various other functions. And for, for some people, there's a lot of appeal to, uh, to doing that. And, um, I happen to enjoy that, this, uh, whether it's operations or finance, accounting, sales, marketing, now social media, um, the relationship with major league team and players, the, the variety is, is very appealing to me and, and challenging. Sometimes I look at my calendars and I shake my head at the various things that I do in a day. I mean, today's a good example. I, I started today uh, in a, a corporate uh, partnership sales meeting and that was interrupted by a call from a structural engineer dealing with a, an issue that, that we have in, in the ballpark. And you know, you can't be any more divergent than that, but th those are the kind of things that I enjoy about minor league baseball. So at the core, it's, it was about staying put in the Bay Area in a family decision that, uh, as I said, that my wife and I made and what evolved was uh, this understanding that minor league sports can, can really uh, be a lot of fun. And, and above all of that, you can do great things for a community. I love that message, by the way, the, the fact that you could choose the, per, you know, the personal side. It's a great message to an industry that doesn't do a very good job of that, right? I mean, it's by, by design, this is a tough industry for that. But you were able to stay in the industry. You didn't have to leave the industry. You made a personal choice. And it took you down a path that you didn't see coming. But because you're capable and did a really good job in the past, you know, all these other doors open for you. And you were able to stay where you needed to stay. And you made things work. Yeah, exactly. And frankly, as I said before, I'd love to tell you that I had this grand plan and it was all mapped out. That, that obviously is not the case and, and would have been next to impossible to do. But, you know, there, I have this philosophy, too, that things work out the way they work out for a reason. And that's always the case. I think that's a very helpful attitude in life generally. Yep. And it certainly served me well uh, from a, a career standpoint. So uh, as far as I know, we didn't have a playbook for a pandemic in the industry. And so with leaders like yourself that have a big staff that, that is now a distributed staff, you know, how, how have you as a leader of the organization communicated with your people, what have you learned? You know, what can we maybe take from from this experience that's going to help us as an industry? 
Yeah, it, a couple of thoughts. One is I probably had unwittingly, again, an advantage in that using this technology that we're using now on Zoom, and for me, uh, up until now, it was always GoToMeeting. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, live in the Bay Area. I run a company and with, you know, with players on the soccer side. We're probably, uh, we're probably close to 80 full-time employees between the two, the soccer team, the, the baseball team, uh, the soccer front office, the soccer team, and then the, 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 um, the Chihuahuas. And it's a, uh, I, I'm in four, five, six, seven, when I'm in California, my office here, uh, go to meetings or Zoom meetings a day. Prior to this period of time, we have, it, it, we have wired our conference rooms uh, to do that. We've wired our offices. So frankly, because of my situation and, and the, the way that I operate the team and the fact that geographically I'm not always there. And I was there, I'm there most weeks, but for um, typically a Tuesday through Thursday, or if we have something going on the weekend, a Thursday to Sunday type of deal. But uh, our staff is used to it. So we've, we've been able to adjust. The other thing is we, our, our staff, now that we have two offices, we didn't, we didn't have room in the, in the ballpark for the soccer office. So we rented space a couple blocks away to save the half hour that it takes to walk back and forth in the disruption that it creates. Um, when the Chihuahua's staff members in a locomotive meeting, then they just jump on, go to a meeting and they save themselves a half hour. If they want to get out and go for a short walk and grab Starbucks on the way, which is a good thing uh, to do as well. They're able, they're able to, uh, to, to make that choice too. So going into it, we were fairly facile as it were in, in using the technology. I have a philosophy <clears throat> that, <laughs> that this sounds so, so simplistic, maybe because it is that, um, you know, none of us are very good at ESP. Uh, I, I, I tell my family that I, my wife <laughs> in a personal relationships and I say that with a smile because we joke about it, but uh, the same thing goes in an office. And one of the things that I've learned to dislike over the course of, of my career is hearing anybody say, well, I didn't know. And we, 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 we do a really good job of knowing and communicating in both of our offices because we meet and a very fair uh, criticism, and this would be ultimately of me, is that, oh, well, we have too many meetings. But frankly, we don't hear that. At least I don't. Uh, I'm sure it comes up and because, uh, frankly, I have more meetings than anybody. But we communicate well across disciplines and now across organizations. So we continued that um, during this, in the end of the pandemic. So all of the recurring meetings that are by function, uh, meaning, Ticket sales has a, a, a weekly status meeting, corporate partnerships, marketing, operations, concessions, et cetera. Those have all continued. And then um, because there's a, we, we've kind of taken, and, and I have taken the, the point of view, and this isn't any, any uh, shocking insight, that a very material portion of this for all of us, regardless of who we work for, what business we're in, uh, is the mental health element. And we have, in our particular case, we have a lot of young people, typical of sports organization. Um, they're often single. Uh, they're often living by themselves. And they're often away 
living in a new community. So we become their day-to-day -day community and their family, and not that they're not in touch with their families, obviously, but this is the day-to-day -day aspect of that. And so um, there have been a lot of, of social things that are staffed, frankly, with not been my emphasis, or Brad Taylor's or Andrew Forrest, the two individuals who, uh, who operate day-to-day -day our baseball and soccer teams, but our, our, we have terrific cultures in, in both organizations. That's helped a lot. We have all staff meetings twice a week uh, with uh, on average 65 people. And it's to accomplish a couple of things. One is to communicate what's going on. And so we're as transparent as we possibly can be. There's obviously a lot of questions like, will I have a job? Uh, are we gonna play? If so, how, when, et cetera. All the questions that, that everybody uh, in, in business as whether you're sports or not uh, it, it's an opportunity to talk about what initiatives we have going on because there's a lot of great things that our staff are, are doing on social media and from a community aspect that is important for everybody to know if for no other reason than because it generates pride and being part of something that's pretty cool and it's doing some some great creative things and from a business perspective, it spawns new ideas. And you, I may hear something unrelated to my particular area, but you know what? I have a, a, a partner, a, a sponsor, who would be a logical person to plug into that particular initiative. And it, it just gives us an opportunity to, to do what we've been trying to do throughout this whole thing, and that is to, to build and solidify relationships with, uh, with our, our partners. And then we have some fun. Um, not surprisingly, we're, these meetings, these all staffs for Tuesday, Friday. Not surprisingly, Fridays uh, uh, may feature some adult beverages, uh, and it's 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 a, a happy hour. So we and, and there's some themes going on. We brought in some outside speakers to talk about um, their experiences, um, and, and it just depends on who they are. Um, Branch Rickey, whose family has a legendary history in baseball, to talk about the role that we'll play um, in the recovery uh, for, for our, our country. Uh, to uh, uh, Jason Klein from Brandios, who create he and, and his business partner Casey White created our our brands and, and team names and worked closely with us and, and works closely with both the, both the soccer and, and baseball minor league industries. Um, we have a, our naming rights partner who's going to join us on, on Friday. So that's tomorrow. We lose track of the days. So all of those things um, have helped us to, I think, do a, a really good job in keeping our staff engaged, keeping people um, mentally healthy, and uh, creating connections uh, for people that, that need it, both from a business and a personal standpoint. Do you see, I mean, maybe it's the, the easy answer is technology, but do you see a couple of things that just as you're, we're in the middle of this that are going to carry forward as things maybe normalize a little bit that will maybe as an industry adopt or you'll, you might adopt as an organization? Oh, absolutely. Look, clearly, uh, eyes have been opened about what is fairly simple technology, and that is using video meetings. I mean, I, again, I've had seven or eight years of experience doing this because of my uh, situation, living in California, uh, essentially working in, in Texas. Uh, it, and it's so much better 
being able to look almost literally face to face with people than it is to be on a conference call. It's just a whole different level of engagement. And I, well, you know this, Jeff, from the work you've done with us, but you know, we built our staff using at the time Skype and go to meetings. And, and unless they were a resident of El Paso, um, we hired between 40 and 45 full-time staff in about a six, seven month period. Uh, and I ultimately interviewed every one of them using this technology. And it, it's just, I prefer it uh, so much more than, uh, than just over the telephone. Um, so that, you know, th this technology is going to have an, an ongoing role to play. Uh, the economic recovery is not going to be easy and it's not going to be short. So we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to be patient. We have to be creative. Uh, we're going to have to take a mid to long-term view on things. And, uh, you know, and, and I understand that's a function of resources. Some, some organizations have more than others clearly. And, have more latitude in that regard. Um, I uh, I also think that from a sports entertainment perspective, and it's borne out in the history of this country, certainly during the Great Depression. Uh, despite my introduction, I wasn't around then, and but I, I understand that that's that's one thing that that didn't suffer as much as other industries because people wanted to be distracted, they wanted to be entertained, and I think coming out of this, we're social animals. We want to be together, and our product speaks to that. And uh, people are going to, uh, once they get comfortable with the health aspect, and there's going to have to be some medicinal breakthroughs that hopefully will happen uh, faster than they've ever happened before. And I'm talking about ultimately a vaccine, but a therapeutic treatment, medicinal treatment for COVID-19 that mitigates the, the symptoms like Terraflu does for the flu. Or, uh, various other drugs that are available. Um, once people get comfortable, they're going to want to make up for lost time in terms of being entertained, in terms of being social and, and getting out. I think we all have, have felt that. So that's going to be a benefit to us. So there's going to be a balance. And we're, we're, businesses are, are going to have a tough time. They're going to have choices to make. I think the, uh, and, and I hope that the general public uh, from an economic standpoint, recover more quickly, and certainly that they decide that they want to come out and, and be entertained and be together with people, and as I put it earlier, make up for lost time. Sure. Yeah, we all hope that for sure. Uh, were you, 1989 earthquake game, were, you were with the A's then, weren't you? I was behind home plate, third deck, candlestick park, and uh, I happened to be the lucky guy that was responsible for our front office staff. We did a, uh, a plus one kind of deal where we had like five buses, and and uh, there was some other stuff that went on. I think we did a boat trip on the bay and, and jumped back on the buses again, and, and, uh, and then the earthquake hit, and yeah, lots of good stories coming out of that. Guessing years probably didn't have much of a playbook for that. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. My point is, if if should the industry had a better playbook for you know a, a pandemic? I mean, this is it's asking a lot. But we're in the business of entertaining large groups of people, you know. So it, it just kind of begs the question of, did we were we missing anything in that, in that regard? Well, it's a it's a fair question. I, I, I think it's uh, it's unreasonable to expect that a 
you know, they talk about storms in terms of 50 year storms, 100 year storms, 100 year wind, whatever, uh, call it a 100 year event. Uh, to expect that that's gonna be anticipated and planned for is, is I think, unrealistic. A little far-fetched. Uh, I'm sorry? Probably a little far-fetched, you know. The, it is, uh, not anymore though. <laughs> well, I remember pretty well before 2008, there was that fallacy that sports were recession-proof. You know, it's rarely said, well, sports is recession-proof, it's recession-proof, you know. 2008 proved that wrong. And, yeah. you know, now, you know, back to a large, a 12, whatever, 10-year run-up into some, some really good economic times, I think people know a correction was coming at some point. You know, it's always going to come. But, boy, you know, 4% unemployment in earlier in March to the numbers we have now, which it's, it's staggering, you know. It's, it is. And, and, again, hopefully – because of the unique nature of the circumstance um, that wasn't originally economically driven, that the, the, the recovery will be more rapid. But clearly it's, you know, it's not gonna be a snap of the fingers and we return to normal. That, 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 that's very, uh, very clear here. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of good things that'll come out of this. Uh, it, the emphasis on relationships sounds trite to say, we've all heard it before, but it really matters. It's what we're spending a lot of time on now, whether it's a season ticket holder, a season ticket member, a suite holder, a corporate partner, and just having conversations with, with people and working with them. It's an opportunity to, as I said earlier, build and solidify relationships. We're going to get a lot of bad news. It's just the, the nature of it that people are, are struggling. I mean, we're delivering uh, I don't want to say bad news, but we're asking difficult questions of our vendors and uh, asking to delay uh, or if, if we're not using a, uh, a parking lot, we, we're hoping not to pay for it. The, the, the challenge is a lot of, a lot of contracts so, certainly didn't anticipate to our earlier discussion uh, pandemics <laughs> or a pandemic. I don't want to say pandemics plural, once enough. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and you, you got to look at all of this as an investment in the future. But it's 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 not going to turn around quickly, and, and it, it's not going to be easy. But we we made it through the 2007-8-9 period of time, and mm -hmm. it seems like a long time ago. And the same will be true. Uh, the same will be true here. The bottom line is, is that we have great products in sports and entertainment. And, and the fact that there aren't any now is, and, and the fact that the people are pining for them and they're reminded of the, the value of sports uh, and live entertainment, whether it's a concert or uh, college or professional uh, sport, uh, they, they miss it. And it's an important part of people's lives. And we're fortunate in that regard. The restaurant on the corner may not be so, so fortunate, and, which is terrible. And, but as an industry, I think ultimately we're going to be fine. With this void in sports, you know, that we're all experiencing, per personally for you, what, what do you miss the most? In, in terms of that sports not being, not, not, not occurring? Yeah, how it's affected. I mean, professionally, obviously, there's a lot of things to miss, right? But yeah. no, I mean, there's certain ways we all consume sports personally, which maybe we don't always talk about, but yeah. what, are you, what are you missing? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. It's and I think I described it to somebody uh, 
this week. How did I put that? It's it's like the 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 uh, the background to our lives, right? It's uh, we sat down for dinner. Our youngest son is happens to be uh, staying with us now because he didn't want to be pulled up in his apartment in the city for however long this is going to take. And uh, uh, the, my wife and, and, and I, he sat down for dinner and I jokingly said, so what time are the A's on tonight? And, <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it's not who's pitching. It's not, and that would have been a typical question. It's just, it's the background to our, our day-to-day existence and the competition, the sights, the, um, even when you're not there, the, the perceived smells, that the whole experience that the sports provides is is unique and special and part of the fabric of our culture. So I I really miss that. It's just set aside my professional involvement. Uh, personally, um, I miss, as my wife would tell you, I'm social. I like to go out and see people and go out to dinner and and even though I travel a fair amount, she wonders why I, I'm always the one uh, asking, hey, let's, let's go out to dinner tonight, as opposed to, geez, you ate out the last three nights. Why do you want to do it again? Um, and so I miss that. I miss, you know, the, and it's one of the things about where we live and the town and being here for a long time, and, uh, that sense of community that, that is lost here. And we're very fortunate to have this technology, again, to, to create some semblance of that community, um, whether it's <clears throat> within our families or or with friends, but it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well said. So we're both kind of in the advice and and you know giving people advice or guidance at times. Um, I, generally, you know, what is some of the best advice? I don't, and I don't mean about pandemic, but just the people that might be listening wonder about career advice. I mean, I've kind of heard it through your, you know, making personal decisions that have guided your career. But what's some of the best pieces of advice or advice you've, you've either gotten that you've used or that you like to give to people? I mean, probably sure. people try to get in the industry. When people ask me that question, I like to kind of harken back to uh, what I tell people who are young people, typically, who contact me <clears throat> or are interested in getting in, excuse me, And getting into the sports business, and, and you certainly get a lot of that as well. And which, I, first of all, I love doing it. I always say yes. I mean, it would be dumb of me to, to ever say no. It's it, frankly, it's in my selfish best interest because I meet some great people. It's it, it's one of the things that I enjoy most now is working with young people in our organization. It's fun. It keeps keeps me and us young. They have new ideas, new ways of, of looking at things, and. It'll, it, it, this will also, and when I say it's in our, my selfish best interest, it, it goes to one of the things I tell them, which is learn how to network. There's nothing, it's critically important. It's fun to do. It's, it'll benefit you. It is a very small world and it's a very small industry. And you will be amazed at how you're able to connect the dots the longer you're in this business and how you come across uh, people who, you may not have dealt with for five or 10 years and all of a sudden you see their name. I can't tell you how often this happens. I remember that name and I'm pretty good at, I I probably go a little overboard, but I have every last contact I've ever entered into an electronic system. And I I typically will make a note of how I met them. So if I can't remember Jeff Yoakum's name, I'll put, I'll, I'll 
search, I'll look for, I'll put in search or executive search and, and your name will come up and the, the dots will be connected then. Uh, so learn how to network, value it, do a great job of it. It's work. It's just, it's, it's part of what you should be doing to learn and, and, and to grow. Um, oftentimes these conversations are had, as, as you certainly know, with people who are in college and they're looking to get into the business. And I, one of the things I tell them is you and a whole lot of other people are in the exact same boat. So your, your job is to figure out how do you differentiate yourself and get an internship, figure out how to do that. It's not about the money. You'll have plenty of time to make money. When somebody asks you to do something, don't worry about what it is. Don't worry about how trivial, trivial you might think it is. Before they're done asking, you say yes. And think like, think as if you were your boss. So definition of empathy, right? Put yourself in your boss's shoes. What would you want you to be doing if you were them? And if you learn to think that way, um, you, you can make yourself very valuable and, and you help uh, to differentiate yourself ultimately. The networking piece is a great piece of advice. Um, I, I don't know if you experience this. I do sometimes in my field that, you know, I, I think networking sh should be like gardening. You know, you're, you're planting seeds, and, but you have to tend to them. You have to water them. You have to continue to pay attention to them, unless it's maybe a cactus or something, I guess. But to that end, there are people that I know and that I know, I talk to other recruiters, that some people will just show up on the radar, again, when they need something. And these are people that have been in the industry for a while. Yeah. Some phenomenal networkers and people that will stay in touch with you and know that they're, you know, staying in touch with you for, for the future. They're availing themselves. It's a two-way street. And then there are those that only come out when they need something from you. And once they get it, they go back into, you know, whatever hole they're in. Um, and, hey, we're all busy, but as their careers go on, I tack on to your advice. Networking is not a one-time thing. It's not a, just one at a conference. It's yeah. got to tend to those relationships, and you do a great job of talking about your database. I mean, that's worked fairly well for you, but I do know others that kind of think, you know, I can turn it on and I can turn it off, but that's going to hurt them in the long run. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and you know what? When somebody asks you if you can help with something, if you can do them a favor, if you can find an introduction, all those things take time. And to your point, we're all busy, but I love being asked for that because when they just like to help people, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. And two, again, it's in your it's in your best interest to do that because they'll they'll remember that. And um, it's a you know in a lot of ways it's a job to network, but it's you don't think of it as I tell people at least I don't think of it as and I'm not always the best at it either because you know we're all so think we're so we're so. Uh, busy but it's I look at it as connecting the dots and there's it's fun to do and and people like to be reached out to they like to be acknowledged I don't care what role you're in or what highfalutin title that you have uh, you know we're all human beings and and people appreciate the acknowledgement and uh, the, the other thing that I would add to this in, in, in the in the product for this would be advice to anyone seeking a job or an internship is be persistent just this side of being annoying because people are busy and don't get frustrated right it drives me crazy to hear somebody say and if one of our kids were to uh, ever said this i'd go through the roof the, the uh, that that well i don't want to bug him anymore 
say, oh man, you don't, you're, you're not bugging them. You're, you, if you're doing it right, you know, don't, don't feel that way. And I, I appreciate it. It doesn't always mean that I respond in as timely a manner as I should. And, you know, shame on me when that happens, but um, I, those are the kind of people I want to hire. Yeah. Versus, oh, I, but I left him a message or I sent the email and oh. responded. It's like, hey, the ball's still in your court. It's not, yeah. you didn't pass the ball to their court. They may never have gotten it. They're busy. Yeah, I, it's great. great people to buy. And, and the worst one of all, well, I sent my resume. <laughs> well, actually, the worse than that, I had my parents or my uncle send my resume. I get oh. some contacts. You yeah. know, probably do like, hey, I've got this great niece or nephew. Like, why aren't they reaching out? Right? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to take that phone call unless they reach out. Yeah. I have one more speaking yeah. of connecting with people and it's learn how to write. And it doesn't mean you're, you're writing the next great novel. This is just writing in a, in a business setting, learn proper grammar, punctuation, and learn proofread, take the time to do it. There's nothing that drives me crazier than when I make a mistake because I didn't properly proofread something. It could I don't care how consequential an email it is or isn't, it, especially if it's external, but even internal, it, you, will, you will set yourself apart by learning how to write. It's one of the things I mentioned in terms of the pandemic and what our staff is doing. We've encouraged people to, to find what they, they'd like to work on from a self-improvement standpoint. Uh, there are two fairly straightforward things that, that we recommended, I in particular recommended to people. Learn how to do Excel better, and and if you don't know if you don't use it at all, learn and learn how to write in a business setting and, and, and improve your writing in a business setting, and those things will serve uh, serve us all well. That's great, great advice. One last piece I'll ask advice-wise, you know, if you were talking to someone who's never gone through a recession, maybe they're feeling a little unmoored right now. You know, they're wondering they're in the industry and they're wondering what the future kind of holds for them. Maybe they're someone who just kind of came in your office virtually and, and you're giving them advice. What, what would you tell somebody that's maybe feeling that way right now in a time when they've got the right to feel that way? Yeah. Well, one thing that's important for your own psychic well-being is to know that this too shall pass. Um, the other thing is get, get ready to change. And that's not a, a bad thing, but embrace change. Be adaptable, be flexible. Um, look at, look for where there are opportunities coming out of this situation, and and accept those things that you can't change. And I, I will quote the saying, but we've all heard it before. And to learn to accept something that it's out of our control is a powerful thing as well. So it's, you know, it's partly psychology. It's it's partly uh, the discipline of of, uh, of doing things differently and, and being proactive about that. That can be really hard for, for a lot of people. It can also be really invigorating too to kind of have permission to try stuff. And hey, if it doesn't work, so what's lost? Right. Well, thanks very much for your time. I appreciate you sharing some of your wisdom and your friendship in this conversation. So I appreciate it. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll talk again on the, on the outside of this. Absolutely. My pleasure. I'm always great to talk. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.